Hello, Maxine Tima'a Kavithid Kamraig, Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The Chin Grando are Podlidiad Newid, Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Marching like a mighty army, Wrexham is the name. Hello, Christ on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Uh, I could have done with a Fat Boar Sunday roast delivered to my door yesterday after the weekend's exertions in the southeast. Instead, I had to make do with a sausage sandwich made by Andy Gilpin. Uh, it was nice though, Andy. Well done. Oh, I think you had three, didn't you? I had two. I had two. No, good, thank you. Anyway, we were both okay. at the game. What were your immediate thoughts uh, after the final whistle? Okay, we're recording. Cool. Hello, Christ on all, to feel us into... To, to sit someone to knit the defence uh, to, to the attack. I think what was happening on Saturday was Payden, who again was class, was getting the ball, didn't really have a pass on because he saw a lot of midfielders running in front of him rather than dropping deep to take the ball from him. So did a clip ball to the uh, to the front three and, and it got lost and our play was breaking up. So, you know, whether it be a defensive mid, whether it be a playmaker, you just need someone sitting in there whose job it is to knit that together. Now I'm thinking, right, we don't have that person. We can't get them until January. So is it Luke Young who is tasked with that to, 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 to maybe change his role a little bit? Or do we look for a, another player who could do it? One thing I was thinking, and I know I got shouted down on this on Saturday, so the lads I was talking about was, I think when Brisley comes back, maybe you look at putting Toza into that defensive mid. I also think that would help with another problem that we had on Saturday, which is the long throws. How many times, Reese, did we chuck that ball in there? How many times did it come away? You well, know, and twice, the keeper caught it. Yeah, so, I mean, totally. It's catching yeah. practice. It's yeah. catching practice because they don't have any height. But if you put Tozer in there in defensive mid and you've got Brisley coming up, it's mm. another option, another head that you can get on that low throw. Because at the moment, I don't think we're getting any bit benefit from it. No. We either need a routine or we need to, to do it smarter or we don't do it as much and just use it as, as a threat and maybe do a short one every now and again just to keep people guessing. At the moment, it's coming in, they're heading it away. It's, it's, it's not helping us. Well, you, you, you mentioned about the midfielder that we feel like we've been talking about every day for the last few weeks. But um, I went to the game with my Uncle Dave, Dave Jones from, uh, from Swansea, but he lives in Billerique, just around the corner. Uh, and I didn't say anything to him about us before the game, anything tactically or positionally. And the first thing he said about half of the second half was, Christ, you need a midfielder who can put his foot on the ball. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, so what, what was your impressions listening to it, Tim and Liam? Um, I was, you know, head in hands after going 2-0 down, but, I mean, you know, half half glass full kind of time at the moment. You know, I'll hit you with a mid noughties word. Was it bounce back ability? We come from behind against Soliol. We come from behind against Notts County. We come from behind against South End. Mm. Under more pressure, has to be said. So there's something about this team. Um, obviously, we've got better players, granted. But there's something, there's, there's a, a sort of never say die attitude going on, which is good considering there's a little bit of disruption with, with Mullin and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it was it was 
it was nice to listen. And as soon as we got that one back, I thought, you know what? We might have them on the rack here. And it's 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 a rare it's, it's a rarity where you can think about that for a Wrexham team. If they go one or two behind, usually two behind, that's it. It's dead and buried, isn't it? You don't even think that we're going to get anything from it. So, you know, people are saying, oh, we should be putting these teams to the sword, blah, blah. Well, South End have struggled to acclimatise so far, so they're always going to be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a wounded animal. So I think we've done reasonably well to eke out a point from nowhere. Um, yeah, onwards to to Saturday. Got to win Saturday, really. Yeah. Liam, I'll ask for your thoughts. Uh, before, I just thought I'd let the listeners know if you're wondering what the traffic noise is and also just the random crockery being hit about. Andy is having some kind of... Are you having a herbal tea? What are you drinking, Andy? Me in a cafe or somewhere. It sounds like it. He's got the Greeks in. Got the Greeks in. <laughs> and now he's frozen, so he can't even tell us. <laughs> I've got to take a picture of that, of that him freezing there. like somebody just swiped his pint. <laughs> he's back now. Um, I'm having a cup... No, I had a cup of tea, and I've got the windows open because it's bloody hot, because it's hot down south. All right. So, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's called global warming, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, well, I, I just want to take one positive from recent performances, which for me has been uh, Tyler French. Absolutely. Yeah, sort of asked to slot in. He's playing more of the right wing back role, isn't he? Um, but getting in some really decent positions, two assists again. Mm. Um, and I remember on uh, the Monday night game against, um, God, I forgot who played now, is it Notts County? County, yeah. Yeah. Um, just being quietly impressed by him. I was quite surprised when the man of the match was announced as were most people, I think, on that day. I, w- I would have given it to French. And then, once again, he's just come through with a really good performance. For someone that wasn't rated by Keats last season, I think he's one person who's had a point to prove. And so far, he seems to be doing it. Yeah. I just thought I'd make the point. At the end of the game, sorry, in the post-match interview, Phil Parkinson said that we showed immense quality and character to come back. I'll, I'll agree with 50% of that. I thought we showed immense character. I'm not sure immense quality was was sort of visible throughout most of the game. But um, as you say, good point, generally speaking. And Paul Mullins' knee injury, not as bad as uh, rumours suggested, although he did go for a scan, which is obviously where all the rumours started because he was spotted there. Um, but he was in the away end. What a legend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he might not have a bad knee, but he could have COVID because the amount of people he hugged and did pictures with um, <laughs> all through that all through that game. It, it was nice to see him there. I'll be honest; he was walking up the steps just before after time, and he did look a little ginger. But you know, he's not on crutches. You know, he's not out for six months. Mm-hmm. You know, he could be back soon. Is it you slipped him a sausage sandwich, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> There's no midweek game as well, so you know that's that's the added bonus in it. Get yeah. back. Absolutely. Well, listen, time for this week's guest. Andy and Tim spoke, and Liam spoke with this guest a few days ago. Uh, I've listened to it. A very, very funny man with some great stories about uh, Darren Ferguson and other members of that team in the sort of mid noughties. I'll let uh, Tim introduce him now. Well, last Saturday we played Southend United and we thought in a nice bit of symmetry prior to Saturday's game, the last time we played Southend United was a mere um, occasion of the LDV Vans Trophy Final way back in 2005, which is frighteningly quite a long time ago now. So we thought we'd get somebody who 
had a big say in that entire run, that entire season, to be honest, um, of getting us to the Millennium Stadium. So please welcome for this week's podcast, Andy Holt. Andy, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good to be here. Thanks for coming along. So yeah, let's let's just delve. Let's dive straight in. I'm, I'm not. Buddy, what, are you going straight in, Tim? Yeah, I'm going to go straight in. Straight in. No messing deep. about. Straight in. Let's do well, it. Well, no, we we, we like know, an Andy Holt tackle. I've got, yeah, I've got a I've I've got to back up the tenuous link of the South End games by going straight into it. So, you know, we're, we're, all right, and let, let's not let's not go straight into South End. Let's go from maybe a bit earlier because I know we beat we beat Chester in the earlier rounds. We beat I think Oldham as well. So quite Oldham a few semis, but, yeah. Yeah, just take us through that that initial um, build up to those games, the the earlier rounds, because obviously it was all played against the backdrop backdrop of the administration stuff, which we'll come into later yeah. on in, in the chat. But just take us through those earlier rounds, what you recall of them, and then obviously to to the occasion itself. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those where the LDVs and trophies, whatever they were named in previous years and the years following. It was the first couple of rounds that were just frustrating that you just wanted to get out of the way. And if it, if you lost and you're like, right, fine, that's out of the way. We can knuckle down on the league. And then every game you step closer, you're like, maybe we could get to a semi-final there or a final. And we got through the early rounds and then it, it was old and we played in the in the semi-final. And I think we won the first, like we went to their place. I think it's when mm. Hector Sam scored a hat-trick and we won 5-3, <laughs> I think it was. Just an incredible game. Um, and then we obviously played the, the return like at our place and I think we won that 1-0. And then suddenly we're in the changing rooms jumping about and we're, we're off to the millennium. It was obviously the, the year quite fitting that Wembley was being redone and the finals at the Millennium Stadium so couldn't have been teed up any more perfect take, take us into into the build up of, of, of that because I, I think when I <clears throat> spoke to you to do the, the sort of printed article a few years ago you said that you went down the day before was it Vela Glamorgan yeah. yeah yeah it was it, it was uh, went down the day before got to the stadium and looked round and it just looked incredible obviously being in League Two, the stadiums we're used to playing are never going to be anything like that. It was obviously Premiership and above quality. Um, I remember I think we had suits fitted as well, which is and a nice Wrexham tie, and just did everything as professional as we could do. Um, and just on even on the day, the occasion was just incredible. The build-up, you knowing that your family were going to be there, know that there were going to be thousands of fans there, and it was more. I think I was obviously getting a bit old. I wasn't really at the stage where I got nervous before games. I got, because I was more excited. And obviously for this game, I was like, this is just a one-off opportunity. Maybe that I don't know if I'm going to play here again. And the lads were, I think even though Southend were a league above, we, I think they were, uh, we were, oh no, sorry, they, we were the they, they, league they one, were, so they, they were top of league yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, they were league two. We, we were in the, the bottom end of league one. And we were like, you know, we've got to fancy our chances here to, come away with the victory and the, the sun was shining and it was it was a frustrating game I remember it wasn't many chances throughout the game I don't think and obviously it went nil-nil into extra time and you just don't know as they always say it's the old cliche it's a lottery and it can re- anything can really happen and then obviously one the man popped up with a, a goal and then Fergie somehow managed to get a sprint out of him in the 119th minute. I don't know how that happened. And he's just thinking, think, like, even it's 2-0 and you're like, oh my God, that's it. And then rem- uh, remembering the final whistle going, even before the game, I remember being in the tunnel and um, I had Ben Foster stood in front of me and you could hear the noise in the tunnel and it was 
unbelievable. I think it's 40,000 there and it's a 80,000, 90,000 stadium. So what that would be at capacity would be just insane because we were going, we just stood there going, we've got goosebumps. This is incredible. And uh, yeah, like I said, the final whistle went, we all went mental. And I remember, I think as it is nowadays and not as it used to be when I first started playing, everyone liked it into the change rooms, grabbed the mobile phones, started ringing the family, trying to pick them out in the crowd. And it was just an incredible, incredible occasion. Andy, did you feel pressure just because of the backdrop of what was happening with Wrexham? As obviously Tim said that we'll come on to a bit later. Or yep. did you just think this is a free hit? Oh, yeah, it definitely was a free hit. It, what was happening off the pitch, we could never control. Whether we were winning every game 6-7-0 or losing every game 6-7-0, we were never in control of what was going off the pitch. So we just saw it as an opportunity that even if the club was stable, it's still an incredible opportunity to, to win a trophy at a huge stadium with all the Wrexham fans at the Millennium. So, yeah. It, yeah, it was a free hit that we didn't feel any pressure. Definitely not. Only football pressure. Nothing to do with the outside and what was going on uh, with regards to the, the chairman and the things at the football club. You you were pretty much an ever-present that season. But I remember <clears throat> when we initially discussed this, you said that, you did a piece um, for the the Sun newspaper. Don't buy the Sun, kids. Just, just <laughs> yeah, definitely don't buy the Sun. Yeah, um, and you did a piece where you had to describe all the players, give them like a, a pen profile of all of all yeah. the players. And you said that the manager Dennis Smith walked like Darth Vader. So, yep. <laughs> so in the middle of this double page spread in that that newspaper yep. the day of the game was um, was <laughs> was Darth Vader with Dennis Smith's face superimposed yep. over it. Um, did you worry for your place at this point? Because I imagine that, how did Dennis take it? Yeah. Oh, do you know when you think you're quite a funny guy and you go, and you're speaking, not really thinking of the repercussions, and I'm talking through the whole team. And honestly, we used to train at the training ground and the, the pitch was probably 150 yards away from where we actually got changed. And the gaffer would come out and literally, because he's had that many operations that he's made of steel he's just he's literally walking over and i'm going definitely looks like darth vader i'll say that and i was like yeah <laughs> so i was kind of thinking you know, it's not going to come out on the day of the game obviously it'd be afterwards or a week before and like i said it came out that day and a few of the lads were like winding up going not being funny Ollie, there's no way you're playing today you're not even in the squad and i'm like really and he's going honestly yeah it's not happening you said he's darth vader and there's a picture in the center page of darth vader with the gaffer's face you're probably getting sacked i'm like i could be getting sacked here lads i don't know what's happening <laughs> so it, that's pressure yeah yeah <laughs> then i started to feel nervous for the first time but no i've still got the cutouts upstairs in, in my room i've still got all that so yeah it was it was one of those that now that I can look back at it and know that I, I still managed to play, it was uh, yeah, it was very very funny. <laughs> if if you find it, please uh, watch. Honestly, it. yeah, that will do. No problem. Yeah, what did he say about it? Did, did you hide it from him? Or did, I, did I definitely didn't show it him. Oh my god, because he was still <laughs> one of those that you, even though he's maybe getting on the years, you still like uh, he could still probably take us in a fight because he's just no nonsense um so yeah i definitely didn't show it to him i kind of tried to stay away from him and probably give him the odd compliments throughout the day said oh your suit looks nice gaffer you're looking top notch today you look, you look a million dollars let me tell you right now before you read anything so it was it was kind of one of those he's a very old school manager wasn't he dennis Smith? one of the original kind of old school style managers do you think if if, if if there was a modern day manager in charge of that team, 
we possibly wouldn't have had that siege mentality and got to the final. Because I, I get the feeling, because of everything that was going on off the pitch, mm. I kind of get the feeling that, that Dennis is a sort of, a, a, you know, quite an authoritative father-like figure in some regard. Yeah. yeah. Got the lads together to look, lads, we're, we're getting taken the piss out of off the pitch here. Things are all going wrong. We're going to get stitched up with this 10-point deduction. Yeah. Let's, let's give ourselves and the fans something to at least grasp hold on to is, is that a fair yeah absolutely I think yeah he was, he was one of those where I remember the, when he first actually rang me out I was in the kitchen at home and he called me and he was very softly spoken said listen I want to have a chat with you I've watched you play I want you uh, come and sign for Wrexham and I was like I listened to him and I was like I, I what was going on at Wrexham was probably not a walk in the park for him, but something that would never, ever face him. And he would never translate onto us to take onto mm-hmm. the pitch. He wouldn't use it as, you know, we should do this because the club's in trouble. He's just say, listen, you're professional footballers. You've got a job to do. This that goes on in the background, leave that to the people who can sort that out. You do your job on the pitch. And he was yeah. very forward thinking that. And just, again, it was, it was very similar to, I had Brian Little at Hull and he always, Brian Little always used to say, if it was nil-nil at half time, we had some big characters in, in the changing rooms who would be screaming at each other and wanting to fight each other. And then as soon as Brian Little walked in, they all stopped talking and he, he, he just sat down and Brian Little would go, listen, don't be embarrassed at nil-nil. We're okay. And everyone just kind of went, oh, he's right. And Dennis Smith is very much the same. He could definitely hand out a rollicking I'll say rollicking uh, uh, when needed um, but yeah he, he just got the team playing and the team knew what they were doing uh, whether we were playing the wing back formation or if that changed everybody knew the role within the team and we kind of complemented each other and again with the, the backing of the gaffer and, and Rooster it was just a good combination When, when you did sign um, obviously I think you'd had well over 200 appearances league appearances under your belt by that that, that time anyway so when 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 Dennis gave that call, he was obviously after your experience, your sort of nouse of the game, everything else. Did did it need much selling to you? Was it was it kind of a no brainer? I can't remember where you were at the time or if you were in a touch. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd been released by Hull uh, in the summer um, before when we got promoted. It was a kind of a difficult time because I'd got promised a new two year contract, so I thought everything's going to be fine, and then the last day of the season said, sorry about that. It's not going to happen. So you have to readjust, reset. Um, and then, like I said, I got the call from, from the gaffer. And again, it, it, just listening to him speak, I was like, I, I feel like I know the guy, trust the guy, whatever it needed to be. And it didn't take much selling. And then when I met him, I was like, yeah, this feels right. Um, and it was just, I think I was 26 at the time. So yeah, I played a few games. Um, I was, fit I felt fit I felt strong so and the gaffer said listen about playing wing back and I was like I love playing wing back I'd always been a left winger and or a left back and then obviously as I got older and slower how it ended up at centre half but before that I just wanted to get up as much as possible so left wing back for me was the perfect role. Andy can I talk about the players when you came in there was quite a strong experienced group there oh yeah like there was Lawrence there was Carey there was obviously Ferguson um how did they sort of, yeah, how did they take to you? But also, how did Andy Dibble take to you? Because I, I like talking about Dibble because he's he, he seems like the real character of the group. Would you <laughs> say that? Do you know when you think of the word in the dictionary, character, I think mm. there's probably a picture of Dibs like that. And he's just there <laughs> going, honestly, he, 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 was, he was a character and 
a strong character. So we had the likes of Brian Carey, who, funny enough, I bumped into at the Trafford Centre just last week, and I've not seen him for a long, long time, and we had a good catch-up. Um, there was Darren Ferguson, and like I said, we had the Trinidad and Tobago connection. So there was strong yeah. characters who all knew the jobs and all respected each other. And because I was living over Manchester way, I got straight into the driving school with Darren Ferguson and with Jim. So we were driving together each day and get to know each other and just become friends. And it became, like I said, a, a good team. But the, and we knew that if one of them wasn't pulling the finger, then we would give them a, a rollicking and telling off and they'd know it and kind of respect it. And we just seemed to, to work well together. Um, one of the people you've just sort of touched on, the Trinidadian uh, connection, Hector Sam. What was he yeah. like to play with? I bet he was frustrating as hell. Could you oh. see there was a real player there who just maybe couldn't put it together? Yep. I presume it was consistency. Uh, like I said, I referred to the semi-final against Oldham and he mm. scored a hat-trick and just some of the touches he would have were sublime. I remember playing again back at home. We had uh, Theodore Whitmore, who again, some of the games, some of the skills he would produce were literally staggering. But then other games you wouldn't see him. And I think Hector was again that frustrating kind of player that when he was on his game, he was so difficult to mark. Even in training, he'd have all these ridiculous drag backs, and you're going, "What is he doing?" And but it would work. And then if he could have been more consistent in the game, then I think he could have gone on to play at a much higher level. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I, I think it was actually Ugarte who got the hat trick in away at Oldham. It was, was it really? Uh, basically, Hector, yeah. Hector got the hat trick in the league game, which was the ah right, okay, it was the second right. game of the season because I was like, right. oh, I remember yeah. the hat trick, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, because I, 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 it was funny because I I didn't play in the league game. Now thinking about it, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I was in the stands because I was. I think I was. You, you, played, in the game you, played, I was in the, you played in the league game where Hector scored the hat trick. Yeah, you, you missed. You the didn't leg. play in the semi. Yeah, you didn't play. In there the we semi. go. Right. We won, won so, five three, didn't we? And that was five three. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. There was some. There was some so, absolutely yeah. mental results that 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 season, um, <laughs> mostly yeah. revolving around Ugarte. Who seemed to like came from nowhere. He must have been yeah. another frustrating one because he could score a goal, but did he do much else? Um, again, my memory's obviously mixed into <laughs> different games here, but is that the season that we played at Hartlepool? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a Hartlepool was, game. I had Jeff Stelling under the table, and then again, yeah, but yeah. But Hartlepool again. I think it finished 6-4. It was mm. ridiculous. It was like kids yeah. football. And I think one scored four that game. And I think it was one of those where even during the game, it was glorious sunshine. Then it was raining. Then it was sleeting. And then it was sunny again. And goals were going in at an incredible rate. And it was like, what is going on? But again, one was just one of those that you got him in the box and he just seemed a natural finisher. He, he wouldn't do much more else um, or much else. But if you're scoring goals, sometimes you don't need to. What was he like off the pitch? Yeah, lovely guy, funny guy, um, quite quiet. One was quite quiet. And again, with the strong characters in the team, you had to hold your own. Um, so, yeah, I think one was one of the more quite. He'd still be first in, tra- in training if he needs to. He'd put a tackle and he wouldn't take any nonsense. So he was a good lad, though. And like I said, he scored a lot of goals, a lot of important goals. Tell us about um, Zabi Valero. I can't remember who we had on in an earlier podcast, but he said, it was definitely on the defenders, and he said that when they were leaving the pitch at half-time, they said to, to Dennis, 
you need to take him off because we haven't got a clue. We, have, we have literally have we have no confidence in this guy. Tell, tell us about that because that was at Chesterfield, wasn't it? When one yeah. again got another hat trick. Uh, yeah, so it was one of those games where I remember playing at Northampton and we had a lad come on who actually ended up signing for us. And I remember speaking to the physio in the summer and he was like, we've signed this guy and he's a bit of a weird kid. I was like, it's been weird. So anyway, this guy walks in on the first day of training, just looking at him going, all right, that's got to be him. And training wise, he was not very technical. And you're looking going, it's an interesting one. And the same with him in goals. He was, he was just <laughs> some of the, honestly, it's still kind of, you know, when you laugh at things and again, when you can look back at them, it's, I'm sure I'm convinced I saw him. I'm, 99.9% sure I saw him on the Liverpool bench when Rafa Benitez was in charge and he was the goalkeeping coach. coach yeah. Now, you look at Mourinho and you go, Mourinho didn't play football, but he's obviously a great manager. <laughs> Xavi was not a goalkeeper. <laughs> well, he was a goalkeeper, but like I say, he, he, he looked physically shaken coming for crosses. And I'm like, this has got to be some kind of a wind-up. I can't remember if it was. Someone's gone, Gaffer, you need to get him off immediately. And this is at half time. And I'm going, he's kind of right, you know. I, it, I, I love giving people chances. But on your way to Gaffer, could you go in goal? Darth Vader could have moved better than him. So, yeah, it, it, it was one of those where you look back at it and it's during the game, it's ridiculous. I'm like, this is, he's, who's, who scouted this guy to go? He's, he's a, he's, he's one, literally, he's a keeper. And he really wasn't. So <laughs> it was just, just one of those weird games that he, I think he did get subbed. Um, but yeah, funny guy. Like I said, when I saw him on the, go on. How did he take that substitution and did he speak any English at all? Oh, God. I think he might have spoke a bit of English and I, I presume he was speaking in Spanish saying, lads, I can't really disagree with you there because <laughs> I didn't do very well. <laughs> I think that's what he's translated. It translated to that. But no, it, I think he just kind of had his head he had his head down and he's like shaking his head and we're all going, I can't, we can't really sympathise with you, pal, because I don't know what you're doing here. So, it, it's honestly, there's so many footballers I've been with who have had bad games, who have come back and done brilliant and been solid. Whereas this guy, even in training, you looked at him and going, there are some shaky elements that it, it there wasn't like a training session where he'd gone, oh, actually, he's got a bit about him. So, it was just a strange one, really. And like I said, he went on to do brilliantly well in the coaching career. So fair play to him. Absolutely fair play. Wouldn't be surprised if he tips up at Everton at some point soon. <laughs> Imagine, he, honestly. He probably says okay. to keepers, he's probably just says to keepers, everything I do, you do the you do the opposite. Yeah, yeah. It's like mirror him. Yeah, I'm gonna die yeah, that yeah. way. So you do, yeah, yeah, saved it. Brilliant. So yeah, it was it was a it was an inter- an interesting guy, didn't speak much English, um, but he seemed to enjoy himself in training every now and again. But yeah, I don't think the, the first team game was for him. You mentioned um Fergie earlier. Um it's it's an it's another obvious um character player to, to focus and hone in on. Obviously, a very good player, very experienced. Um, a couple of questions, really, about him. Um, yeah. He, come, he again. He, he did his football. He let his football do do the talking, didn't he? That's the reason yeah, why yeah. the captain's armband. He's he, very driven. Uh, yeah. Captains in the family, I guess. So, what was he like in the changing room? 
could you have a laugh with him? And there's a flip side to this. Sean Holmes was on a few weeks ago. Yeah. And he told us that he got into a trading ground sort of tangle with him. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that was a one-off or did you did you see Fergie have any time? Oh, through? no. All, all day, he was miserable, honestly. He was one of those in the changing... Honestly, in the changing rooms, he would laugh and joke with you. But on the football pitch, if you put a tackle in that he didn't like, he, he would go, he'd want to fight you, which was brilliant because you get him on the pitch and he'd just wind up the opposition. And like take, and if they could understand his Scottish accent, they'd realise he's taking the mick out of them. And you're like, honestly... But again, he was technically brilliant footballer but yeah he was grumpy at times he was like oh my god just leave him be so yeah there was a few um few times in training and even after games where he'd look like he just wanted to fight anyone and he was like oh here we go again but no when he was uh, when he was on form he was a funny guy he just used to sit at the back of the bus and play cards or have a little gamble on the horses or anything he was down to earth and yeah, he was a cracking, cracking football. But yeah, he was like uh, Jackal and Hyde. Jackal and Hyde. And of course, you met his old man in the changing rooms at the Millennium Stadium after. Yeah, the, yeah, incredible. Well, I, I, yeah, I've heard obviously uh, Ben Foster do a couple of inter- interviews since um, he's doing his biking podcast at the minute. And uh, he was talking about how he came in at the end of the game. And like I said, we. It's kind of the euphoria of, oh my God, we've won the trophy. We've celebrated the trophy. We've then gone um, inside the dressing room and then he's just walked in and it's like, I think I've had two beers, but I'm pretty sure that's Sir Alex Ferguson. And the lads are going, yeah, I think you're right, mate. And he's walking over. I'm going, you know, you just stand up as obviously respect and shake his hand and I felt like I had to curtsy like you're you're all it's just just really I'm a, I'm a Man United fan and right, I have okay, been for right, years yeah. and years so it probably meant a little bit more to me but still the fact that for all the players for him to come in and individually congratulate us and go around the team and say well played <clears throat> I just thought was an incredible gesture he was obviously there scouting Ben which I'm not surprised in the slightest the, from the day Ben came to Wrexham I was like this kid is on another level to most keepers that I've ever seen he was brilliant so I knew why he was there he was obviously supporting his son as well but yeah to do make the gesture of coming to a change room was just magnificent so you had your Darth Vader and the Emperor in the same room <laughs> I know, yeah I thought it was going to kick off honestly but no <laughs> everything stayed for, yeah it was fine <laughs> just going back to that game for a second it's like the little moments that sort of change change like big games like that and I can remember Steve Roberts coming off after a couple yep. of couple of minutes, I was thinking, yeah. and I was thinking, oh, oh, this is this is bad news. You know, they've got Freddie Eastwood, who you know was a very yeah, yeah. dangerous player, who a lot of people were looking at. On comes Sean Pedic and absolutely marks Eastwood out of the game for, yep. for 120 minutes. Probably the best game Sean's ever ever played for us, and in, yep. in what an what a match to do it in. Just just it's like isn't it sometimes strange that fate plays that little that little sort of part and set yeah, that I up. mean you look at it and you would you can't write most scripts in football as you know and, and with the game we had the game plan and we planned it for a week or two previous saying this is our setup this is what we're going to do this is how they're going to set up you obviously know who's on the bench but you never go into detail saying potentially after a short period of time you could be coming on so mm-hmm. you're going to be marking Eastwood for the game you go because that never happens it, it's never planned like that a, big, big player for us, big part of the uh, the central defence and for him to go off, obviously, just gutting for him to go off so early yeah. in the game and then, like you said, for Pesh to come on and just be absolutely magnificent. He can dine out on that for the rest of his life and say, yeah, well, you know, 
back in 2005. This I played for Wrexham at the Millennium, and this is what I came on. Didn't expect to be playing, got a chance, and absolutely took it. Yeah, you did, and you can. There was one thing that always stood out for me that I was a bit gutted about after the LDV final. Obviously, there was everything that went on. Uh, with the points deduction and, you know, we all know what happened after that, but it was the fact that the players didn't get, um, you know, a bit of a, a victory parade because I know in the circumstances I can understand why it didn't happen, but it was just the fact that I think the fans, it would have been great to thank you all for what happened because, um, you know, it was a major bit of silverware in Wrexham's history. I just wondered how you felt about that as a player. I mean, I can understand if, um, you know, you're obviously a bit gut- gutted because of how the season ended. I suppose it, it, yeah, it's kind of catch twenty two there. You obviously you've gone from the euphoria of winning a trophy to being relegated, getting deducted ten points, and going down a division. So whether it was right to do a victory parade, I, I don't can't remember it being talked about much. And again, it's I remember I think we had a, a do at the end of the season anyway, anyway, and we we all went into Rex and when we saw loads of fans out and they were saying how grateful they were for the trophy and winning and going to the millennium and being relegated was kind of well down the pecking order. It's like, listen, that was going to happen. We can blame someone else for that. But what you did on that day was so special and will stay with us. So maybe it would have been um, bittersweet to do a parade, but yeah, maybe looking back then, maybe that's something we could have, should have done, but yeah, I suppose it's it's not happened, so we can't really worry too much about it. Is we enjoyed it on the day, the fans there enjoyed it on the day. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we got obviously relegated a few games later, which kind of dampened it slightly. But again, I still look back on that season, and the highlight was obviously winning the trophy and one of the highlights of my career. Playing at the Millennium, winning that trophy was just incredible. That would explain well, it then if they were thanking you on a on a night out because I was only fifteen or sixteen at the time, so right. I, I, wouldn't, okay. I, w- I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. Okay. On, on the back of Liam's suggestion, we'll do a sort of little victory parade of our own right here, right now. So what I'm going to yeah. do, we'll go through the squad. I want you to describe each of the player that I re- read out in three words. First three oh. words that come to your head. Okay. Ben Foster. Class. Strong. Brilliant. Steve Roberts. Solid. No nonsense. Can I hyphenate that? No yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah, brilliant. I'll put the line in. Um, cultured. Ooh, cultured. Yeah, I, I'll say that because I remember we, we played, uh, I think it was Doncaster in the game, and he's dribbled it out from the back, and he must have been 40 yards out. Now, obviously, over the years, it was probably 20 yards when it happened, but now that <laughs> you go back a year, and every, you had a yard, and he's hit this shot, and he's, he's I think he's had a rattle the ball, the keeper's tipped over. Like, what a player. So, yeah, I'll go with cultured. Happy days. Right, I think I know what the, one of the words is going to be in this one. Dennis Lawrence. Tall. Uh, character um, and again just solid Craig Morgan I think I know one of the words one of these (laughs) Morgs hairy honestly the the hairiest man (laughs) I've ever met honestly he would have a shave before training and have a beard after training I kid you not so I'm going with hairy definitely but again what a cultured player when he wanted to be Um, what else can I say just again, strong, just a strong player, strong player. A hairy cultured beast. He had a Ryan Giggs <laughs> front and back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Carlos Edwards. Oh, skillful, 
dangerous, non-stop. I remember doing a training session um, when I was, there was me, uh, Carlos and Rooster. And he's gone, listen, I'm going to just get Carlos to run at you and try, you know, decide whether you make the tackle, whether you stand up. And he ran me absolutely ragged for about 40 minutes. And I was like, Rooster, can you get someone not as good as him? And be, yeah, get that keeper out. Bring the keeper out. I was like, let me take on him. That's fine. I, I could I could fancy me chances. Yeah, he absolutely destroyed me. So, yeah, very, very technical class player. Just non-stop would get at people all game. Happy days. We've already touched on him again. I think we know what one of the words might be. Darren Ferguson. Skillful. Grumpy, funny. Honestly, yeah, it was so Jekyll and Hyde. It was brilliant. Like it's a Jekyll and Hyde, you said. Chris Llewellyn, is he? Um, he was just two-footed. Let me say, let me think. He was dirty a striker. He'd be dirty, wouldn't he? Just say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He loved, yeah. Again, in, even in training, he would put a tackle in and he, he wouldn't care. He's like, and what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll go dirty but class. Um... <laughs> dirty but class does it. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Yeah, I think Matt I've seen Crowell. that porno. Yeah. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt, Matt Crowell, the, uh, the, the Rexham's very own David Beckham signed from Southampton at the time, which is very amusing. Yeah, so that's why I would call him chocolate because he would definitely eat himself if he could. <laughs> um, the amount of hair products he used to use and the amount, the amount of pouting, I've never seen anything like it. But what a guy. He, he always had a massive smile on his face, always smiling. So Smiler... Uh, chocolate, um, vain. and he was gifted. He was gifted. Vain, <laughs> yeah, vain. We're going to scrap gifted. Yeah, we'll go vain. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, we'll come. You, you, you can, you can um, do, do yours last. We're going Mark Jones, Jonah. Oh God, so technical, so gifted, and it, it, it's like he was just a young kid from the back streets who just played football and loved playing it as a kid. And if he would have had the drive maybe and the ambition to push himself I think he'd gone so much further so he was technical uh, frustrating uh, but gifted yeah or should have played higher or made of oh yeah yeah Uh, yeah Juan Ugarte Uh, goal scorer Um, you can hyphenate that yeah yeah thanks (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just that he was just a goal scorer. Like I said, lovely, lovely guy. Um, would put a tackle in as well. Didn't mind leaving his studs in, which was nice. Um, but yeah, just a goal scorer. Happy days. Right, we're nearly done now. Ryan Harrison. I can't remember much about him. Sub goalkeeper. See the sub keeper. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, again, I didn't really get to play that many games. Um, but no, he was he was solid. Again, when you're behind Ben Foster, even though Ben was a young kid, yeah, I think he was only 23 or 22 maybe when he came to us. He, he might have been 21, even younger. But Ben was the focus because, like I said, he was just probably the best goalkeeper I've ever trained with, played with. Just He didn't have any weaknesses. So Ryan, unfortunately, even though he was big and strong, just didn't get the chance he, uh, he was probably hoping for. Yeah. Hedge, Sean Padgett. Pedge, brilliant. Um, shy is definitely what he, oh, he right. honestly, he he would, ha- again, 
you, like I said, you've got a lot of strong characters in the team. So uh, being a really young kid, he didn't have much of a voice, which you don't do. None of the footballers I've ever, ever met have had voices when they were young. So he was shy, but no nonsense and loved to tackle. Danny Williams. <laughs> Danny Williams. Danny Williams, like rash. Just one of those that even in training, you're like, can you just stop it? We've finished about half an hour ago and even the changing rooms is still all over you. So he was just relentless, just getting in people's faces. He was a wind-up merchant. But again, fit lad, got box to box. Um, so yeah, fit, uh, rash. That would sort of go for Dan. Yeah. Dean Bennett. Benno, yeah, Benno was funny, uh, very funny guy. I remember rooming with him a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, Benno was a funny guy. Again, he could versatile. He could play in quite a few different positions. Um, maybe didn't get as many games as he wanted to, but still a very, very good player. Hector Sam, Sam, Sam. <laughs> Frustrating, uh, gifted. <laughs> um, Miley. <laughs> yeah, I think I had him down on the um, when I did, did the newspaper article. I think I had him down as Del Boy, and I'm trying to think why it would have been that. Whether he came in with all the bling on, the watches. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it probably like just yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me they mocked him up in a, in a in a sheepskin suit like Motsum with a flat cap and stuff. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. On, I'll send you the picture. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, no, last but by no means least, sum up yourself in three words. Um, as a player, not now, obviously. <laughs> uh, as a player, I would say obviously naturally two-footed. I'm hyphenating because I was obviously I, I didn't know if my right foot was as good as my left foot. It was that close, uh, or my right foot was absolutely terrible. And still to this day, it's one of those where I always say left footers have always got a strong left foot, whereas they have a terrible right foot and I've practiced all through my career and it never, ever got an ounce better. It's still terrible. So definitely uh, left footed. That's all I am. Um, what can I say? I'd say fit because I used to, I, I just used to love running and coming up against players going, let's see if I can be fitter than you. So I love the challenge um, and maybe no nonsense. So I'll, I'll hyphenate again and go with that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think we kicked the ass out of that. That was quite good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Well, first time we've done that feature. Well done, Tim. Did you wear a wig at the end? Did so, I wear a wig what? at the end? Because oh, they're all just a picture of Dennis Carlos wearing a did, wig. Didn't he? Yeah, Carlos, Carlos had a wig. Big he sprayed Carlos did. Big, big, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, yeah, big Den did. I remember having a wig. I don't think I, I had a wig. I didn't have much hair, so I should have put a wig on, to be honest, but <laughs> yeah. So we do a couple of features. One of them is the quick fire round. Um, I'm going to give you more than three words. So Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm not a word Nazi like Tim Edwards, so you can have a little <laughs> sentence on these. Uh, but straight off the bat, who was the most skillful? In our team. Yeah, in the in junior time at Wrexham, most skillful player you you uh, you saw there. Uh, probably Carlos Edwards. Yep. Who was the worst dressed? Worst dressed. Uh, <laughs> I hate that question. Um, <laughs> Andy Dibble wore some rascal stuff, so I'm gonna <laughs> go. I'm gonna go Dibs. 
I only ever saw, when I used to go down to the training ground to interview him, every time I wanted to speak to Dibble, he was always in a tiny white chewing gum towel. I just, <laughs> like, you know, he was permanently yeah, just coming out of the, the shower. Way. Well, you've seen, you've obviously seen Jerry Maguire and obviously <laughs> Cuba Gunny Jr. just walks around with yeah. like, nothing on, like, giving it all that and Dib. Just like, honestly, put a towel on, man. Cover yourself. <laughs> so yeah, he, he just well, at least he put a towel on. Yeah, and very good of him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's the biggest moaner? I think the, I know the answer. To oh this. yeah, yeah. Darren Ferguson. No one could even come close. Um, this is quite an interesting one. Who's the most underrated? <sighs> it's difficult. I, I would say uh, Jonah Mark Jones, but he was rated and he could have gone mm. a lot further. I think again with the, with the drive and determination of another player or other players who have not been as skillful as him, but gone on to progress further than he did. So I'd say probably you would look at Mark Jones. I would say is underrated. Fair enough. And the final question is: Who's the tightest with money? Tightest with money. And I've seen Dennis Lawrence's car. So <laughs> what's he got now? No, no, but I mean, he's probably got a nice one now. But remember back in the day, they had, uh, I think they had like a, like an old beat up, oh, he's a white was sort it, of... Was it a Lexus? Like a yeah, I think so. But it was a big... better days, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's seen better days. I can't remember. We obviously went on a few nights out and I'll go with Fergie just because he's Scottish and they're known for being tight. So we'll say Fergie, but I yeah. don't think anyone was really particularly tight. It was one of those where I'm sure we'd all buy each other a bit. One thing I'm always interested in is uh, life after football. Um, so not that I'm I'm stalking you, but I'm on your LinkedIn right now. So, uh, what, but what's football? Uh, what's life after football been like for you? To be fair, I, I managed to play until I was 34, I think, and by the end, I'd had, I think sick knee operations and a shoulder operation, and I was just I remember I'd gone training with uh, a non-league team just because I knew the gaffer he used to be the gaffer at Northampton and every day my knee was hurting I was like you know what I'm, I think I'm fed up of football now so I, I called it a day and moved back up home to Stockport and I didn't have a job so I, it, I suppose after I'd finished football I went in for about three or four months still living in Northampton I went coaching around schools which I absolutely loved I always thought that I wanted to be a school teacher so to get into primary schools and there was a lot of quite rough schools where I could mentor mentor the kids and pull them out separately and have a chat with them about family life and what I've done and <clears throat> how I look at life and etc and I, I just loved doing that um, and then I ended up moving back up to Stockport Way and it was just one of my friends from school uh, who'd been in see me play a few times and he said do you fancy coming into my workplace come for a cup of tea we've not seen you for years and years so I said yeah I went in had a cup of tea and he, he owned the digital marketing agency um, and he called me that night and he said do you fancy your job and I was like I can't even switch on a computer to be honest with you and he was like listen you're good with people get out there and meet them and we'll teach you on the way and I was like okay fair enough so I was there for four and a half years and I loved it and it got me out networking and again it's it's kind of a salesman's tag which I've kind of got now in my job but I just see it as being able to go out and meet people I love doing that and them telling their stories about their background whether it be business or family or football football is a universal language so it was easy to get into a lot of people and if they did know that I played football then it was an easy conversation so I've kind of found also towards the end of my playing career if there was ever 
a school to go to or a special needs hospital or anything like that, I would always say, let me go because I love going, meeting people, etc. And I, I kind of think that teed me up for a role in sales or a business development person where I can, I've, I've gone into a completely different sector with Brooks and where I'm at now, it's accountancy. And I, I didn't know anything about any kind of legislation. And even when I went for the interview, the, the FD said, you know, what do you know about legislation? I went, absolutely nothing. And he was like, really? I went, why would I know anything about legislation? I said, I've been in digital marketing and I've been in football. So I said, if you've got something to teach me, absolutely teach me and I'll go and sell it. And I walked out going, I'm never getting that. And they rang back within an hour saying, listen, we want to take you on. So it's just, I, I found, I don't think you can ever say the transition's easy, but I think I was that, frustrated with football I'd, I'd been doing it since I was 16 and even the little things I remember the first uh, season that I'd finished I managed to have a, a holiday in August for the first time in 19 years I'd never been on an August holiday since I was 14 um, I also had bank holidays they're actually a holiday where you have a day off I didn't even know that until obviously uh, but then you've got Christmas as well. Christmas is still, I'm still the biggest kid. I still write my list of Father Christmas hoping that I get the presents. And it's one of those where, honestly, I get so excited by Christmas and I booked two weeks off and I had the kids over Christmas and saw the family. And Christmas for us, we would train Christmas Eve, uh, train Christmas Day, play Boxing Day, probably have the 27th off, play the 28th, 29th, 30th training. New Year's Eve, we'd either be playing on New Year's Day, so we'd have to travel and stay in a hotel where people were partying the night away, bringing in the new year, and we're having a pasta. We're having a, a meal of pasta and a glass of milk and in bed for 10. So these little things that I, I'd missed, I really couldn't wait to do. So the, a lot of the things that people take for granted, I was like, these are amazing. So it was not an easy it was an easy enough transition, shall we say. It wasn't a case of, oh, I miss football, I want to get back into it. I think everyone says you miss the banter, but then you look back and I've played charity and there's been a few where I've literally, because my, my mind still thinks I'm 26 playing at Wrexham and I can still bomb up and down and you do one run and you're like, oh my God, I'm so unfit. And then you go, that's why I don't miss it. Whereas if I think I could go back and train, because I, st- I watch my son play, my son's 19 now and he's playing for a, a non-league team and I watch it and I see some of the football, I go, I reckon with about four weeks training, I could be back <laughs> in it. And then as I bend down to pick the ball, I go, oh, I'm like, nope, might take a few bit longer than that. So yeah, it, it's, it's something that I, I love watching him play. I love watching lower league football now it's i think with the pandemic obviously you used to seeing all the amazing stuff on television and the premiership and the millions of pounds but going to the grassroots and paying a, a two quid for a ticket and getting a pie and a, a pint or something watching a game of football it's something that we've not really done or i've not done at all so going seeing joe play football now i just love doing that as well we've had some uh, some crack revelations in starting this podcast but I think hard as nails former Wrexham defender Andy Holt writing a Christmas list to this day to Santa Claus <laughs> has to be up there that's probably my favourite one that's just amazing honestly I, I absolutely love it yeah it's brilliant I love that it's quality um, it's one of those even, even in even in even in the no go on mate go on 
I was just going to say, even last year during the pandemic, and there's, there's times where, again, my job is being on the road three, four days a week, seeing people, and I was just in the, ho- in the house. And I was like, it got to about August, and I was like, is it too early for a Christmas carol? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. And I ended up watching a Christmas carol with Jim Carrey going, this is just brilliant. I can't wait for Christmas. And it got me all the way through to Christmas. Amazing. <laughs> Have a long Christmas. At least you celebrate it properly, fair play. Exactly. Um, yeah, we, we do this um, segment, like a fearless moment, where we ask all our guests to kind of, kind of regale their favourite, ever moment playing for playing for Rex and whether oh if it's the moment that fills you with the most pride I imagine it would be be the LDV but yeah I mean is there anything that stands out whether it's particularly that or something else whether it's a particular goal what what, what when you look back over your your two seasons there what is the is the moment you think you know yeah. what that was the one, that's the one that, that, that I get the most sense of pride from again it's it's hard to look back past the millennium day build up everything around it and like I said just standing in the tunnel and even I got goosebumps down just thinking about it listening to the roar it was just like nothing I'd ever heard and it was like oh my god this is why we train every day this is why I wanted to be a a professional footballer when I was three or four years old this is why I would practice doing keep-ups until I literally got a Bollocking off my mum and dad saying, come inside. Just all those things were going, this is it. This is like a light bulb moment. This is why you go through all this discipline training to try and get to these moments. And that moment, even before the game had happened, and we did, we were never, you're never sure of victory. But right then you're going, oh my God, I absolutely love it. And you just stood there going, this is what we're meant to be here for and again it's I suppose it's the easiest look I can go now that we've won if we'd have lost would I have remembered the same thing I, I presume I would I don't know whether it would have meant as much uh, but no I just I just loved being at Wrexham I know I think in, in that season I played something like 58 games or something it was the most I'd ever played in a season I felt fit I felt strong I managed to score some goals and again if you talking about pinpointing at a moment, then it would be the millennium, but there were lots of highs just being in and around the club. Yeah, I think 10 goals in 86 games for us, but I feverishly tried to find all your goals about half an hour before coming on to record this. I got to nine, so I don't know where the 10th and final goal was. Can you remember where it was? Well, it depends what the other nine is, really. Right. Well, it depends on the first time. Right. So, start um, the 05 season. You scored your first goal. Yeah. You drew at home versus Portville. That was the first one. Um, then scored at Blackpool in a 2 1 defeat. Yep. Scored um, in a 2 1 win at Huddersfield. Hector Sam yep. got sent off in that one. I can't remember what he got sent off for. I'm sure it, it wouldn't have been a two footed challenge. Um. When we beat them 2-1 at their place. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I scored a, a header. Um, yeah. And I actually I came off at half-time, actually, because I, I think I pulled my car, or my calf was tight. I can't remember what I sent. I can't remember Hector getting sent off or what he got sent off for. Yeah. Anyway, then you scored 2-1 win over your hometown team, Stockport County. That was yep. been quite yes. was it? It was, it was weird. I mean, a lot of people say if you you've never played for Stockport. I said, listen, I played for Stockport boys under 11s, under 14s, under 15s, but nothing past that. And yeah, it was, it was weird to, 
be on a pitch that I actually played on when I was 10 years old for my school football team and we won our trophy on there and obviously it's literally a mile from my house um so to score there and I knew a few of my old friends were in the crowd yeah that was a, a nice moment Heidi and then you scored again in a home defeat versus Luton four days later you scored in a 2-0 win at Port Vale so that was at least two against Port Vale that season yeah yeah and then the following season we beat Cheltenham 2-0 you scored in that one you scored in a draw at Peterborough and that's as far as far as I got up to those nine. So I don't know where my tenth, where the tenth was. I scored um, in an FA Cup first or second round away from home, and we won four or five nil against. Oh Jesus! Now you're asking. If you go through the records, it's I'm sure it's an FA Cup game that we won 4-0 away from home in either the first or second round of the FA Cup. And Andy's on it. He's either watching a tennis match. Hayes. Or he's, he's Hayes. 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 There we go. There we go. That was uh, that was with the coffin running onto the pitch, the guy with the coffin and all that. <laughs> yeah. The crazy taxi protest through Hay- Hay- um, Hayes. Uh, I bet Hayes, people at Hayes were screaming, what's going on here? Yeah, they didn't have a clue. <laughs> we, took, we took quite a lot locked down to Hayes, I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a good yeah. day, that. It was a, it was an interesting day, definitely. Wow, ten goals for a left back over two seasons—that that's pretty pretty soon, I'd say. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was it was a stage where I think I scored four goals in six games, and I was like, honestly, I've cracked it. If I don't score thirty <laughs> goals and get my move to the Premier League, something seriously <laughs> wrong. But I think it dried up from that point, to be honest. So, but no, it, it was great. Like I said, in two seasons, I managed to play quite a few games. I got some goals and just really loved my time there. It was it was brilliant. Just bring it forward a little bit. What did you uh, What did you think when it when it was uh, announced that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are buying the club in a big Hollywood takeover? Yeah, well, obviously, first of all, you're going good yeah. one, uh, but then you go because I love Ryan Reynolds. He is so funny in all of his films. He's brilliant, and I was like, so straight away, I've got my daughter ringing me. She's 15, 16 now. She's going to a game I was like why did you never show much interest last season when they were asking me to come funny enough so I think it's brilliant if it gives a bit more stature to the club and a bit more noise around Wrexham and what they are what they're about and if they can again if they can get up the leagues or into the leagues then who knows what can happen but it's, it's definitely interesting times ahead yeah I mean I think I think you know to tie in with the with the with the Stockport link as well. You said you live pretty close to their ground. Yeah, got their chances as well from a sort of a hometown. We we sort of home specs on that they they seem to be bang up for it this season as well. Yeah, to be fair, the the last season as well, they they were there or thereabouts for a long parts of the season. And again, you you look at the, I think it wasn't it must have been a few years ago now, but there was a stat saying ten years ago. It was when Stockport County were ahead of Man City. So obviously it was a few. I remember when at Oldham, when I was in the first team in 1999-2000, we had Stockport County and Man City in our league. And it was just crazy. So we played at Main Road. And again, another one where not too far down the road, I was only 21 at the time. And we managed to beat Man City at Main Road, which is incredible because most of my mates around here are Man City fans and a lot of them were at the game. So you see how they've grown and how Stockport have fallen. It seems similar to a lot of football clubs that have just kind of drifted by the wayside that just don't have the financial backing that others 
have and it's a shame but again they seem to be in a strong enough position to hopefully challenge and again it'd be good to see them back in the league Who's, who's winning the title Andy? Rex, Rex and my stock put Wrexham all day. Yeah, that's a correct answer. There you go. <laughs> I'm writing that on my Christmas list. Yeah, your Christmas list. Yeah, I'll put a you word actually, in the big man. You actually send it to Lapland. I, I want to get like a, a wider sentence. <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah. Uh, do you rubber stamp it with like an Andy Holt sort of wax rubber stamp? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah it gets sent out first of December every year and then it's just a waiting game until Christmas Eve. <laughs> Is he going to get it? Have I been good? Honestly, I, I absolutely love it. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> this feels like an episode of Would I Lie to You, doesn't it? I still send my Christmas list every year. How do you do it? What was on your Christmases last year? I'm, in, I'm interested. What was on it? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. It would have been, obviously, selection box with 350Ps, sellotapes on, because that's what I used to get when I was a kid. It's yeah. probably about a tenner, like three tenors now. It's it's got I've got up in inflation, surely. Uh, no, but it's one of those where, honestly, Christmas. I don't really care what I get. I just look at like the kids. Like I've got two younger kids, two older kids now, and the young ones are three and four, and just you know to see their faces on Christmas Eve and uh, the whole Christmas build up, and you get to see your family more than you do, and it's it's one of those where they say. Christmas is, should be all year round and I feel like I'm like that anyway so I'm even more so more hyper around Christmas and just love the whole build up to it having the Christmas songs on blaring in October annoying everyone in the oh, office I think God, it's you're brilliant. that person are you? I am that person I'm Karen I'm Karen <laughs> on Facebook <laughs> sorry I don't mind I admit <laughs> oh fair play absolutely yeah. brilliant Absolutely spot on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've laughed so much in a, in a podcast ever, <laughs> to be honest. It's that time of the week now where we discuss our shitey heroes, the worst Wrexham 11 of our lifetimes. We've got our back four lined up um, and we're going for a 4-3-3, aren't we, Andy? So uh, why don't you go first in uh, nominating a midfielder? Three, two, one, go. I'm going for Craig Skinner and it's not because of his hair, because quite frankly, his hair was cool. It's because he, for the very first time, showed me that Brian Flynn could be wrong. That's hard to take for a youngster. Like seeing your granddad steal or your auntie hit a traffic warden, it ruins your childhood. It's the loss of innocence. Most of his players are free transfers or youth team graduates, so you cut them some slack. But when Flint spent money, he got it spot on. Well, usually. He bought Skinner for 60k and he underwhelmed. So much so that he once said he preferred playing in a three-sided race course as there was no one to abuse him down one, down one side of the ground. And that's the problem. He wasn't as good as his hair. He didn't do it often enough and was really shown up by having Cal Conley on the other wing. When you start questioning Brian Flynn, you question everything. My life has never been the same again. Case number one for Craig Skinner. Nicely done. Um, Leah, Tim, you can go next. Three, two, one, go. I've gone for Lamine Sarko. He arrived as a seasoned 32-year-old in autumn 2009, having enjoyed decent spells in France with Nîmes, Lens, Marseille, Saint-Étienne, Montpellier, 
and even at a decent loan spell at Leeds United when they were in the Premier League. Capped 57 times for his country, the Senegalese winger struck striker was handed a short-term deal by Dean Saunders to prove his fitness. He scored his first goal in a win at Ebsolite and showed glimpses of an undoubted class in the minutes he had on the pitch. However, he faded fast, his not-so-crowning glory being sent off for headbutting Hazen Yedlin's Esmond James whilst Dean Saunders was away on international duty with Wales. Brian Carey, who was standing in for Saunders at the time, described it as inexcusable. You're not, not so sure about that. Earlier that day, I saw Sarko struggling to park his chrome Hummer in an empty car park at the football ground. Pretty much just sums up his time. Promised a lot, but ultimately faded fast and was rubbish. Nicely done. And 58 seconds, perfectly in time for a, for a nice minute job. I'll go, I'll go next. Um, I'll count myself in. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be, but three, two, one, go. I'm going to go for Silvio Span. I don't think he was the worst midfielder we've had. However, I think a big part of this feature is sort of the difference between what we anticipated and what they ended up delivering. So when Span's signing was announced, there was one video that existed of him on the internet and it was a 40-yard free kick. It was one of the best strikes you'll ever see. And also, I think because of our romantic attachment to Trinidadian footballers, our expectations were too high. In the end, he was pretty dire, especially in midfield. He improved a bit when he was moved to right-back by Dean Saunders. There was a player in there somewhere, I think, but we just couldn't find him. 50 appearances, one goal, which actually happened to come in the same game. He was sent off for hacking down his uh, compatriot and former Wrexham player Hector Sam when he was through on goal, and we subsequently lost the game to Notts County. So, all in all, a pretty uh, underwhelming signing. Okay, Liam, you're last up. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so as we've heard on this podcast in the last few months, Dean Saunders was prone to saying some pretty crazy things, but never was this more the case than when he compared a young Christian Smith to Franz Beckenbauer. Originally brought in by Brian Little, he was one of a ruck of uninspiring signings the former Villa manager signed. He actually had a couple of spells with us, and was one of the first Wrexham players to become involved in a social media spat, having an argument on Facebook with none other than Simon Brown. His departure following that left a sour taste in the mouth, yet amazingly he was brought back by Saunders in pre-season. Um, he was part of a pretty crappy early Saunders side and fell out of favour yet again after another rumoured fallout uh, with the management team. De Kaiser would have been absolutely fuming to be compared to Christian Smith. Yeah, that is a strange comparison. Was that the same Christian Smith that um, got in some hot water for discussing his contract sort of situation on Facebook? That was it, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Well, whilst, whilst I was researching the Sacco stuff in one of the match reports... Wales Online described Christian Smith as midfield enforcer, which made me laugh. <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> um, right, any any immediate thoughts? Andy, you were first to go. Anyone that you think doesn't deserve to be in the Shite Heroes out of those four? Um, do you know what? I agree with all of them in, in, in different ways. And I think your reasoning of, you know, expectation versus reality was pretty good, especially for, for Silvio. I mean, everyone thought he was going to be the, the great hope, didn't they? That he was going to he was going to grab hold of this team and move them to a different level. And it was just so utterly depressing that he couldn't. And, you know, maybe, you know it's not his fault. It's a, lot, it's a lot to do to come from a different country and try and be all things to all men. Uh, Smith, ability-wise, was the worst. Yeah, fair. Um, 
I'm just looking now. Sylvia Spann, just out of interest, currently coaches a youth football team called the Middlesex Phantoms in the Maple League in Massachusetts. So good for him. Um, yeah. Any, I mean, Sarko was pretty bad. Considering his pedigree, he was awful. I mean, I thought he would have produced a little bit more and we couldn't even get, well, very rarely do we get a full 90 out of him, to be honest. Um, I think he was 18 appearances, four from the bench, one goal. Uh, not the solution to our to our problems at the time, I'm afraid. And um, if you can't park a chrome hummer in an empty car park, then you don't deserve to be playing on a football pitch either. <laughs> And Christian Smith is not the same one that did that lob against Kidderminster, is it? We had two Christian Smithers. No, it was a different one. That yeah, it was the the big guy in the middle. I saw. I I did actually. Yeah, I did see Christian Smith score from the halfway line um, against Colwyn Bay in a friendly, though. So I don't know if that. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Yeah. Liam, where are you edging towards? You had to pick one that wasn't your own. Who are you edging towards? I think it would have to be. Sarko just for the Hummer incident. <laughs> um, I think that, that 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 was on the on the old. It was when there was like an overspill overspill car park next to the the old Dickens garage. I remember like tipping up early because I was doing some press stuff for the club, and I was like, "A, who is this in a Chrome Hummer?" I just thought we've got some sort of VIP guest, and the only other person I know who had a Chrome Hummer was Robbie Savage, who had one ages ago. Um, it wasn't him, and then he stepped out and you know, tinted windows and all that. But literally, there's no other car park in there, and he spent ages trying to park it. I literally have no idea what was going on in his head, apart from he wanted a headbutt somebody later that day, which he did. So I didn't oh, see. Let's go for, let's go for Sarko. I mean, Sarko, yeah, he's got everything going for him. Okay, Lamine Sarko, you're the first of our midfield trio in the Shite Heroes. Congratulations. Okay, prediction time. Andy, what's the scores on the doors? Uh, nothing's really changed. We all went for a win and we're all we're all wrong. So, um, as we were, we got Woking and we got Grimsby. So, Tim, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, I should have stuck to my prediction last week because I think I initially said a draw, then I changed it last minute to a win. So, I'm not... I'm going to go with my first instinct this week. 3-0, Wrexham win against Woking. Wow. Uh, and then, what, Grimsby on the Tuesday... Grimsby on the Tuesday, Sean Pearson is going to have something to say. Um, inside gosses, they struggle to score goals massively and will we'll, we'll continue to struggle to score. So, Apart from um, the four they scored on the weekend. Well, yeah. That, that, <laughs> we got that inside goss prior to the weekend. I'm still sticking with it. <laughs> uh, I think a tough place to go. I'll go. I'll, I'm going to go for a draw there. I'll go for two each. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, Woking, it's going to be a tight, nervy 2-1. Grimsby, oh, I can actually see us losing their one now. Mm. Uh, Reese, next up. Yeah, I'm very similar to you, Andy. I think we'll get a win on Saturday. I really hope we will anyway. Um, 2-0 against Woking. I I can see us losing in Grimsby. Um, I can see the euphoria of the win, uh, you know, catching up with us and we'll lose 1-0 in a crappy game up uh, up in uh, Lundell Park. Finally, bring you up the rear. But not in the table, though. Um, so I'm going to go for a 1-0 win on Saturday. I think the pressure's on, but we will just scrape it. Um, Grimsby, though, I agree, is going to be a tough one. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Great. 
Lovely job. Um, next week, we've got a uh, exciting guest lined up for you. Uh, Andy, can you give us a hint about who it is? Uh, signed by Brian Flynn, and there was a riff on Brian Flynn's name about the signing. Very excited to bring that to you. And as always, you can email us in, fearlessindevotion at gmail.com or message the Twitter account. Uh, but until next week, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Go.